Welcome to Humans Leading Humans Towards a Future of Work That Works for People. A smorgasbord of snackable stories to help you be a more effective leader. Today's guest is Martin Verzovsky, who's the Chief Futurist and Head of the Future Hub at the third biggest software company in the world, SAP, who is, believe me, an absolute inspiration and a 100% imaginal leader. So you are about to find out why he is absolutely convinced that corporates across the world need to get more punk rock. <clears throat> so I can't wait to hear his three create stories. Just before I started recording this, I, you probably know by now that I like to think out loud. So here it goes. Martin and I, and actually lots and lots of the people that I know and work with, have been in bands since we were knee high to grasshoppers. Being in a good band is a wonderful and it's an ultimately collaborative thing. Writing songs is organic. Yeah, one person does write the lyrics and another person might bring in the core structure and the chords, but everything else from there on in is it. So it's a sort of wonderful creative flow, which somehow something will emerge that is so much greater than the sum of the parts. A good song is never finished. It's a living, breathing, continuously improving entity. And then when I was super young, when I first came out of college, I shifted into film production. And the same thing goes. You do start from a shooting script, that's very true, but the creative process thereafter is agile and collaborative so you know the production designer might put something in the wrong place and everyone goes oh do you know what that may be better the actor might fluff a line but the director or a good director will go ah do you know what i like it let's stick with it so every person on a film shoot is part of this sort of fluid creative process and the director's role is just to get the very best out of every single person to get to the best outcome for the audience and that's how innovation should be in companies because the truth is that every single product and process and policy can be better always and everyone, everyone at all levels, in all departments, in all business units, should be part of that continuous improvement. And the leader's job should just be to make sure that they create the environments in which humans can thrive. And that's why I'm making this podcast. It's made with love. And I mean that for those people who work in complex organizations who are struggling to break through the rigid old ways of working and therefore they're struggling to get the best from people. The point of this podcast is it is your go to audio fuel kit 
packed with the short stories, the snackable stories, the tools, the inspiration we all need to shine as leaders. And I can promise you that today's stories will most definitely give you a much needed shot of inspiration and energy. But before I introduce you to the phenomenal Martin, I just want to say a massive, massive thank you to all of those people who have sent feedback and suggestions for improvement of what you'd like to see more of, what you enjoyed, how I can improve the show. Your feedback is really, really important to me. It energizes it. So please keep it coming. Head over to catskeely.com and sign up to the Humans Leading Humans newsletter, connect to our social channels and to www.wearebeep.com and keep connected, become part of the community. Let me know what you love and what you don't love so much. So enough of that. Let me introduce you to Martin Vazovsky. Martin, 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 I can't tell you how happy I am to have you <laughs> as a guest on Humans Leading Humans. Listeners, I always try and explain how I've met people or how they've ended up as being guests on my shows. Martin is part of the most phenomenal global network of innovators and doers and thinkers and techies uh, called Kinnanet. And so we've found ourselves in various corners of the world, in various weird and wonderful situations. And Martin, like me, is a musician, and I've always wanted to get on stage with him, but I have never yet persuaded him that that will happen. So, Martin, would you like to tell our guests, what have you done, not who you are, because who you are is this extraordinary, creative, warm, multifaceted chap. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm, a, I'm I am Martin Vesovsky. I am also the chief futurist and head of something called the Future Hub uh, in a big, big company called SAP. I report with what we do, which is the vision for the future of work and what SAP should bring in that future of work to the market. We report with that to the board uh, through my boss, and the board area is technology and innovation. So I'm. I'm in innovation. I'm in strategy for the biggest company on the planet so far when it comes to business technology and business applications, business software. Pretty impressive. And I'm sure at moments, challenging as it is with all large companies. Yeah. So yeah. I send you the Create Framework. And right. what do you think? I think it's fantastic because it gives me and hopefully everybody that's seen it Exactly that, a frame to work within or with. Um, all these words, as, as I usually say, you need to first say it, you need to articulate stuff, otherwise there's no discussion. Put some artifacts on the table before you have the opinion about something. Have something to touch and look and experience before you have an opinion how that would feel. Because feeling for something is very important. And when you look at the create framework, you see these words, they are actionable, right? And the stories of our day-to-day uh, -day mentoring and, leader, and leading and being led and being mentored life includes these words. Like, for example, whatever, take the solution, technology. Technology is a part of leadership. You can, it helps us to reach out. Uh, empathy. Empathy is a part of leadership. Uh, it helps us to understand and feel. 
experimentation, since I'm in radical transformative innovation space for SAP, very, very high up there, we are affecting the next 10, 15 years. We need to experiment. Without that, there is no future. So I think it's a fantastic framework. Thank you very much. So, Martin, story number one. So, so my, my parents managed to escape Poland, 1984, shit place back then, but they managed, boom, we are in Sweden. I'm 14, know nothing. This is new to me, okay? I learned the language very quickly, and I'm sitting with my new friend, Max. He plays in a punk rock band, and punk rock has been a leader for me. You know, I can, I can, I can easily feel with the punk rock. I, I can just say straight off, more punk rock in business right now. Look up the values of punk rock if you can't feel them yourself. I do. Experimentation is one of them, basically. Uh, challenge the status quo and try to implement them in your leadership. But However, we're in Max's room. He says, Martin, you will start playing guitar in our band. I was like, Max, uh, that's fantastic, but I can't play guitar. So thank you, but no, I can't play guitar. I never had a guitar in my hand. Also, I'm not sure I'm the creative type. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he doesn't listen, basically. He gives me a guitar and he says, use your top two fingers. Don't touch the other strings. Don't touch the other strings. Sounds terrible. Using only my top two fingers and go, Pardon. I'm thinking, shit, nobody told me that you can just skip the other strings. I was like, great, great. Move the fingers closer to you. Pardon. Good, good, great. Don't, don't just move them away from you. Don't change anything else. Pardon. Good, you're in the band. You're in the band. Said, what? <laughs> exactly. I was thinking, what the hell? And I said, yeah, you played three chords. That's the only thing we will do in our band. So you're in the band. Great. And then he turns around and starts to uh, do stuff in his room. And I'm sitting with the guitar in my lap. And I was thinking, uh -huh. so there's all the other strings. I'm feeling more confident all, all of a sudden. <laughs> and I'm stretching now my fingers because, you know, I can do that. And I'm playing a, a chord that sounds like boom, 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 a terrible, absolute disharmony. And I'm asking uh, Max, Max, is that a chord? And he turns around and goes, well, now it is. These two moments, you're in the band, and well, now it is. You just made it. So it must be a chord. We're two leadership moments. I'm not sure Max was aware of that. He was 15. <laughs> but he led me and taught me that allow the space for creation and innovation. It's one of the biggest leadership things you would do. And that's the experimentation that happens immediately when you have creative confidence to, to try that the last chord there. It, it gives me the mandate. Uh, this, it gives me the funding. I can't afford a guitar. He gave me one. It gives me the physical and intellectual space to explore and experiment. And gives me this, and he was natural there. He allowed me to feel confident. And if you guys are questioning yourself, just sit down for a minute and try to feel what the other person would feel or needed to, to, to do or feel what would you, to make them feel confident, to create this confidence space, the psychological space to even go so far so they start to create their own little creative friction, like me stretching the fingers. Nobody asked me. It sounded terrible, but I tried. I failed. And he was, yeah, that's great. Now it is a chord. It sounds terrible. Don't use it. But it is a freaking chord. You just, so see what I'm saying? This is empathy, experimentation, and mutual understanding in, in a circle. And permission and courage. I know permission mm. is in there. But um, courage because when you've got people breathing down your back and you're heading up innovation, 
and they're expecting the thing. And to actually hold space for people so that they can play is not easy. Where do you get the courage to do that? Mm. I think it comes from a common purpose or common allowance. It's, it's again, the space of, of psychological safety. So play as a comparison to, to non-place, to, to, to task that must be complete, to a process. From this to this, please do. Let's not play. Let's follow the rails. First, I think uh, with any technology, things that are repetitive should be automated. That's not a human task. Yeah? And if you lead people to repetitive work, you should consider to try a technology that makes that happen. Don't be that leader. Play comes out of curiosity. Uh, and I think there's an important question. Uh, I am a believer that uh, humans and machines will live in empathic symbiosis. That's my vision for, for the future of work. And there will be a moment where we'll transcend and be the same species. Good question is, what would be the last thing that remains only 100% human, not mixed? Yeah? What would be the last thing that machines will understand how we do and what we do and help us with that? And I think is something I call the curiosity-led purpose seeking. We're seeking the purpose. Why are we here? Why is this important? And we do it with the fuel of curiosity. And when we do this curiosity, we play. Oh, I love that. That was an answer. Okay, making my brain buzz. What about story number two? So this is some years later, and I thank you, Max, because now I actually have a career. <laughs> and I'm leaving uh, Sony's, uh, the big corporation Sony. I'm a creative producer there. I'm a designer, and I'm designing uh, mobile phones for, with cameras back then. This is how we called it. The camera phone didn't exist. It was mobile phone with a camera very early. This is before iPhone. This is 2000, whatever, two, three, I, I don't remember. And what we do is make a vision. So lead from the future is this story. What do you see? And we understood that there are best cameras and the engineering was sitting in the room. I'm sitting there. There's so many, oh, we need the lens. Uh, it's only three centimeters thick, but we can fit it in and you can just stick it out. And I was thinking, shit, it's going to look terrible. Nobody would. Oh, we need more resolution. So we, uh, it's got too expensive, guys. So the best camera in the I mean, Hasselblad. And so, what is the best camera in the world? If you ask the team there, they had 109 answers about how to make this engineering excellence and, and you know, the best of the best. And I said, guys, everything you just said exists already in other cameras. Why is this our thing? And I'm a designer, they are engineers. I'm really not in this sort of leadership position. And I'm twisting that by saying, look, you know the pictures, the memories, and everything we do there, when we, when we catch that moment and review that, and it's a wonderful memory. Can you feel that, guys? Can you have an empathy for the people that shoot and then go, hey, look, we, we were there with this, this, hey, here's a picture of you, you look amazing, or whatever, you look funny. Can you feel that? They say, yeah, okay. I want people to capture all of these moments and then relive them, to visit them like in a time machine. That's our job. The ultimate camera is the time machine, but the best camera in the world is the one you have with you. The house of blood you don't have with you, you can't afford it, and if you do, it's probably at home because it's too big and too expensive. To You see what I'm saying? So make everything pocketable and as best as possible in that size and in that pocketability. Even the edges should be maybe rounded to slip into your jeans. Jeans, engineers, please help me. I have this future vision. 
Can you feel everybody going back? Can you feel the empathy? And, and they go, wow, yeah, that, yeah, okay. Changed everything. The whole room started to work. Yeah, but that then we cannot, people went to work because they felt for the vision. And I think this intimacy about how I felt this way, I mean, time machine, really science fiction. We are a serious company here, Martin. I was stripping down a little bit to have, and the purpose, having a purpose, and this complexity in this purpose keeps everybody on it all of a sudden. Ooh, but if you feel for something, nothing scares you anymore because you know how it will feel when it's done. So you're going for it. But if you just understand with your brain and logistics and your bullet point list, you might not be as eager to go there. And we know that there is strong correlations between empathic companies and good market capitalization. Actually, two times uh, the top ones from the bottom ones, two times. So that's my second story, lead from the future. You can turn people around, but make them feel and make them see what you feel and see. And indeed, I would go so far, Martin, as to say it's the only way you can lead. If you, you think so. set a North Star whereby everybody around you in their complexity and they're doing and they're busy being busy, if they can't mm. see the thing that you're trying to get to, you may as well just forget it. You're like ants scattering, not quite knowing where the central function is. And you're thinking about functionality, functionality, functionality. What for? I always think mm. of that, you know, the three blind men and the elephant Buddhist story. Yeah, 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 I do. One part, one part, but not the whole. I think the having a purpose, it's such a hard thing to understand. But if you have a purpose, purpose can only be felt. You cannot buy a purpose or acquire it in any other way. You can have the t-shirt, but you can you need to feel it. And by feel it, I mean you need to have the empathy for the cause. Why are we going to the North Pole? Half of us will die. The purpose is discovery and the human mind of exploration. Aha, I can feel that. Let's go. A hundred percent. So you wouldn't advise just like bringing in a purpose agency then? Oh, you can do that, but it's, 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 a, it's a very, very good, good way to, to quickly get rid of some money, you know, because they cannot be you. <laughs> they cannot be you. I think it's a great idea to experiment and question your purpose. Again, why are you relevant 10 years from now? I would like to quit with that question to that story. Why are you relevant 10 years from now? And, and please, guys, don't, don't die on me here now because it's a, it's a burden to think like that. Don't feel the pressure. Don't take it super personally. But as a leader, you must understand that if you cannot start to intimately unpack that question for yourself, for your team, for your business maybe, you will not be relevant 10 years from now. Relevance means the other persons seeing you as relevant emotionally, intellectually, and in other, uh, this is the other person's empathy that you create by being relevant for them. If you are, you have a future with them. What I'm saying is build relationships. The rest will follow. Design relationships, engineer relationships. The camera phone is a relationship between people. To, so it's a social tool. If you can feel that relationship and say how they will feel using your engineering, you're building relationships. The features, the data, the engineering will follow. Brilliant. Just brilliant and 100% with you. Whew. Okay, <laughs> story number three. Number three. This is a short one, but it's oh, it was impactful. 
uh, I was feeling it. I was feeling it. I was frustrated, couldn't really sleep. Took me a day to come to terms with the beginning of it even. It sounds banal, so, so bear with me. So I'm now working still at, at Sony there, and I am in charge of uh, these phones, and we are on the third or fourth uh, series of this. So I'm feeling pretty confident I'm leading this, and I'm having great designers' ideas that are proven on the market. Now, it happens to be so in our team, in the leadership team of, of Sony, we have the person that created the Walkman, the very person. It's a guy. He's in his 60s, I guess, by, back then, uh, 50s, 60s. And he is a hero for Sony. Sony is very patriarchal and hierarchical, unfortunately. Uh, don't lead with patriarchy and hierarchy. Just saying. <laughs> uh, now, when we talk about leadership and feeling and, and relationships, hierarchical relationships are practical. Use them. But don't stick to it. They are just a flavor. <laughs> They're just a flavor when you're cooking your leadership relationship. Now, back to the story. We're in the room, a lot of people, heavy-duty folks, because we have that Walkman guy from uh, Tokyo on the phone. And I'm presenting, guys, we need to keep the buttons in the same way. People get used to the phones, and they trigger the camera from this volume button or whatever they do. He insists that we should move them around because this model is different. It's almost an argument. I am, I am equipped with real data, real opinions, and real design structures and concepts that support this. And we have evidence on the market. He gets tired of me and says, Martin, who are you to tell me where to put the button, the feature, or whatever? And I shut up. Everybody shuts up because, you know, the God have spoken. The frustration, the darkness, you know, when you just pulled to the ground, goes into, I'm thinking, okay. I failed to sell this to him. I failed in this room. My boss and my boss boss is there and my colleagues are here. I'm totally not leading this. I'm so not leading. He just took over that leadership with uh, some kind of hierarchy, with some kind of level and historical backpack. You know, when you're proud of something other people have done or something that happened like 50 years ago, don't be proud of that. Anyway, he was. I couldn't answer. I was blown away. Uh, I didn't find the words. I was not capable. First, the day after, I was thinking, hmm. And I couldn't sleep. I was so frustrated. Almost, I was angry. Then I realized my only answer is, who am I? I am the creator of what we have right now on the table. I am the one that made it, created, fostered it to where it is today and wanted to take it further. Who are you? But I didn't say that because I couldn't. I couldn't find the world words. My emotions took over. And there, my leadership and my emotions were in a mess that I couldn't figure out. That was an important moment to stand up for myself next time and see if I have the courage to do it. And also, the leadership that he showed, if there was an opposite to the create framework, where you're going to yeah. kick a human brain into the threat space, in which you are least capable of being creative, innovative, communicative, making good decisions. He exhibited that. It was the total opposite of the emotional, intellectual, and, and uh, mental safety zone, psychological safety. It was the opposite. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was an important learning to me. So these three stories guide me. But the one I, I'm really keeping it close at heart is the punk rock. You're in the band. You just played three chords. Did I really? I mean, did I really? <laughs> but he said, so therefore, 
confidence. And with confidence comes experimentation, the innovator's DNA, the questioning. That's a big story. And lead from the future. Have a vision, folks. Why are you relevant 10 years from now? Not next quarter. We know why you're relevant next quarter, because KPIs, they won't make you survive. <laughs> lead from the future. We lead with the passion and the feelings and the relationships you want to have on the market. The rest will follow. And lead with psychological safety. Don't be the patriarchal hierarchical leader. Be the open-hearted, inviting, emotional leader. Full of curiosity and- Curiosity, purpose. Absolutely. So the very last thing we have to do, Martin, before I let you on your incredibly busy day, no doubt, um, is to decide <laughs> what are we going to call your episode of Humans Leading Humans? Ah, more punk rocking business. Okay. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's it. That'll do me. <laughs> There's the imposter inside you as a creative. Oh, yeah. and you're oh, creating, yeah. You've got this feeling and you want to say this thing and you haven't got the courage to say it. And then you say it and people go, oh, that's really yeah. cool. One small thing I would like to add to any of these stories is the unreasonable people. Love unreasonable people. You know, I'm biased. I'm in the business of change. Radical, transformative innovation. That's my business. You guys are in a different business, so please take me with a grain of salt. <laughs> but it, maybe you can feel for me here for a while. I'm looking for ultimate change and radical change. And reasonable people are admirable because they can walk into a room and reason themselves around. They can understand. They can have an empathy. Oh, this is a funeral. This is a celebration of very successful business. Whatever. They In split second, they are reasonably in there. They're reasonable. Should we do that? Can we do that? And so on. They are absolutely emotionally equipped to confirm the status quo. You see where I'm headed? My job is to change the status quo. The unreasonable people walk into a room and they actually think insanely enough that they can change the world around them. And since they think so, they are the only ones that actually do. Please be more unreasonable. Oh my God, I love that. I love what you just said. Martin, I can't thank you enough for your time. <laughs> okay, so, so I, the last one, I don't know how it fits into your timeline, but I, I just wanted to drop that because I had it as a, a story that is uh, abstract. I don't have a, I'm unreasonable, I'm a punk rocker, so it doesn't relate to a specific story, but here you go. <laughs> and human beings are hardwired to hold on to the status quo. So that's, that's the thing we should be pushing against. It's a bias. Hardwired. You, yes. you need to stress that. So yes. people can chill. Oh, shit, I did status quo again. No worries. Fine. I'm with you. I feel you. I am the same monkey. We have to play our way out of status quo. That's what we're going to No, thank you, Katz. This was such a wonderful challenge uh, you put on me. And it took my brain away from my daily business, which is wonderful as well. But now back to, back to business. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Came as no surprise, Martin. Beyond brilliant. Thank you again for your your energy and your expertise and your wisdom. I love doing these interviews with these people. And I keep taking away the same thing, and I hope you are too. It doesn't matter whether you're a CMO or a CGO or a CHR or a CTO or see whatever it is you are. Your job is one thing to empower people 
to make them feel safe, to care for them, to watch their back. That's it. Because those people are beautiful and wonderful and they can do extraordinary things if you give them the space, if you can be as courageous to do that. Anyway, you have been listening to humans, leading humans towards a future of work that works for people. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Marketing Society. And if you are a senior marketing leader and you need the know-how and the networks to succeed, and you're not already a member, get over to their website and become part of that tribe. I would 100% recommend it. A massive, massive thanks as always to the fantastic Super Terrania for their magical sting of stings. Go to www.wearebeep.com to find out more about the CREATE framework and how we support companies by helping leaders unlock the problem-solving potential of humans. If you love this podcast, and I hope you did, pass it on to any friends and colleagues you think might need a shot of inspiration and energy. Thank you so, so much for dedicating the time to stay with me. Please subscribe. The links are in the notes. Be inspired, be imaginal, be more human. And I can't wait to see you again next week. Mm -hmm.